What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Benny and Chris Talk Sports. I'm Chris. I am Ben. And we're here to bring you our opinions and our news notes and happenings from around the world of sports. On today's episode, episode 129, a legendary future Hall of Fame Major League Baseball player has been released by his team. Believe it or not, Tim Tebow was back in the NFL. Tom Brady in the league, the NFL, if you can imagine, are uh, having a bit of a difference of opinion. And a fun fact about new Jaguars star quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. First, we're going to get into it. Albert Pujols, one of the great hitters of the generation, one of the great players of the generation, one of the most feared hitters of the early 2000s, eh, mid-2000s, uh, has been released by the Angels. Final year of his, at the time, massive 10-year deal. Uh, no, he's not, not the player he once was, obviously. Age has kind of taken a toll. He's, he's 41, I believe. Uh, but Angels, with the emergence of Jared Walsh at first base and Shohei Otani, the great two-way player who did both pitches and hits at DH. He was expendable, especially with his high salary. Um, people feel both ways about this. There, there's one camp that is, he's a legend. You let him ride out his contract. You're going to have to pay him anyways. It's fully guaranteed, so why not? And the other side, business is business. I kind of lie somewhere in the middle. What do you think about this, Ben? I think if um, you're trying to win, which I think the Angels have been trying to angle to do the past few years with a lot of failure, you'll start seeing some uh, success uh, from someone else besides Albert Pujols, and you start to see your team gaining some traction and they feel weighted down if they have to insert Albert every three or four games. I think the betterment of the franchise, you have to move on from him because you don't want – If who is the kid you mentioned? Uh, Washburn? Uh, Jared Walsh at first. Jared Walsh, okay. Uh, I'm assuming he's a young kid. I, I haven't looked him up myself, but uh, do you want him getting – three, four games a week, and then Albert needs to get a couple games himself, or do you want to try to get those at-bats to this kid and try to keep building his confidence? Plus, as you mentioned, Shohei Atane can do both pitch and, and DH, and you don't really want to take his bat off the field. Maybe once a week you might want to just to give him a, a breather, but still, you don't want – you want the bats in the lineup that are going to uh, be positively affect the team. And then in the field, I mean, Albert hasn't been a great first baseman in no. years. I just don't, I don't think that's feasible. I, I, I think it's the right move for the team as they're trying to move forward and build a playoff contender to match with the Houston Astros and any other team in the AL they just they just haven't they haven't been great over the past I'd say half decade with Mike Trout arguably the best player in the in the game and has I believe if I remember correctly he's 0 in three in playoff games. Like he's literally only played like three playoff games. And that just seems unfathomable for someone with that talent. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean a true I've said this before, a true generational talent. I look at a guy like uh, you know, you may play Trout the way you look at guys like Tom Brady and big Patrick Mahomes in the NFL. I mean, they're just, there's something special about them. Um, and you have guys like Cody Bellinger and, and, and Mookie Betts who 
are, I honestly, look, this is going to sound like I'm dogging both those guys. They're not at Mike Trout's level. Not consistently. They're both tremendous players, and I'd be happy to have them. Well, I was happy to have one of them on my team at one point. Uh, but then, you know, things happen. Uh, so I would be, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm knocking either Bellinger or Betts, but but a guy like Trout, yeah, who is a true generational talent that comes along well, once in a generation. That's exactly what that means. Uh, yeah, for him to only have three playoff games is absurd at this point in his career. Uh, the fact is, look, Albert Pujols is an absolute legend. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. There's no doubt. Uh, never heard anything bad about the guy off the field. Great human being uh, from all accounts. But I agree with what you said in the very beginning there. Like, if you're trying to win a championship, and the Angels have a team that can win a championship, they're trying to compete. We know from that 0-4 Red Sox team that, and a lot of other teams, just this is our most, the, the, the example we'd relate to the most being Red Sox fans, that last guy in the roster really matters. Really, really matters. So it's, it's yeah, it's Albert Pujols, but at the same point, I'm looking at the numbers right here. He was never, ever, ever the same player with the, with the uh, Anaheim and then Los Angeles Angels that he was with the St. Louis Cardinals. Numbers don't lie. Uh, it, it, with the Cardinals, he only hit under 300 his last season in St. Louis. The, his second lowest average ever at, to that point was his second to last season in St. Louis 2010. He hit 312. <laughs> 312, always him. 42 homers, 118 RBIs, 115 runs. Played a pretty decent first base. He had to. It was a National League. There's no DH yet. So, I mean, it's great there. Then he hits 299 his last year. Then 285 his first year in Anaheim slash Los Angeles. Then 258. Then 272. Then he never hit over 250. Uh, 270 again, excuse me. He hit 268 in 2016. Uh, the RBI's numbers were sporadic. They ranged from 64 to 119, depending on the year. That's not consistency. That's not what you're paying someone 25, 30 million a year for. It's just not. Uh, never had over 100 runs again after he left the Cardinals. I mean, and in this past season, I mean, he's hitting 198 this year with uh, 198 with five home runs. But, I mean, three walks. He's not he's not taking pitches anymore. Um nine runs and that's in 24 games like at this point like the legend of Albert Pujols has become more of a hindrance than it has a help to the Angels organization and we kind of all knew that when he signed a 10-year deal at age 31. I am not as on board with all this sabermetrics and 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 the modern uh stats that say after essentially these stats say after 30 a player is useless it's preposterous it's absolutely insane there's plenty of players who've had very very good careers after the age of 30 however there is a notable decline in some of these players is Miguel Cabrera the same player now he was five years ago no not even close from the time he was probably 19 to 20 to the time he was in his early 30s he was the most feared hitter uh even more so than Pujols actually uh, as of late in, the, in in baseball, not just the AL, you didn't want to put the ball anywhere near Miggy. That guy was like, he just killed the ball. Triple crown winner. So, <laughs> the first one in God knows how many years. 
we may never see another one again the way all these stats are affecting how teams how teams and players are i mean the guy was a monster and now he's you know and i don't say this with disrespect i say this just by looking at the numbers he's not the same guy and it's the same with Pujols. if the tigers all well the tigers aren't really competitive right now but if they were to come out tomorrow and say, look, we're just going to let him go. We need to give a young guy that roster spot because he's just not performing. It sucks. I mean, Albert Pujols wanted to end his career with with with, with Anaheim. Or, excuse me, I still say Anaheim. Los Angeles. He still wants to play. Uh, they needed to. They, they needed the roster spot for somebody else because that, that, that last roster spot could be another relief pitcher that helps them out in an important late-ending game that gets them in the postseason. Could be a bat off the bench that comes in and hits the two-run double and extra innings. Not the 41-year-old guy who's not the same person anymore who's hitting 198, who can really swing at fastballs, and that's about it. it when you're trying to compete, it doesn't work. So, no disrespect. Uh, I've always been a fan of Pujols. Love the player. Like I said, never heard anything bad about the human being, but... This is the uncomfortable part about sports where it's like sometimes when it's your time, it's just, that's it. And I think, I think the biggest problem that the Albert has is if you look at the division race right now, you have the athletics at top on top with 21 wins and 15 losses. And the angels are only four games behind. And we're right. talking, we're still early season. This is May. We're not in the dog days of summer. So, Looking at that right now, they're, you know, a game a half game behind the Rangers, and I know they're last in the division, but it's so close right now that if you took those at bats, and I think uh, roughly he has ninety-two plate appearances with the Angels. If he matches his standard of five hundred at bats, that could affect the. Uh, the, the outcome of the season for the angels that Absolutely. could determine whether or not they're going to be in the playoffs or not. And uh, if I'm the angels front office, I say, you know, I, I have to make the decision because the Rangers, the Mariners and the Astros are still right there. Now, one of those teams could go on a hot run and conversely, the athletics could go on a cold streak, but it's tight enough right now to where they can make that decision and say, we have to go forward with either understanding that if we have Albert Pujols, it's going to be for the rest of the season, or we're going to cut him now because we want to, we're trying to build something. We're trying to get to the playoffs because we haven't been there in years because we have this transformative player on our roster and he just, he needs more help. And Albert right now is, incapable of helping him so it makes sense now to do it because if you wait till august and you give him his send off at the end of august and he doesn't play in september but now you're probably out of uh, the race because you decided to give him 400 500 plate appearances which produced maybe 10 15 home runs 40 to 50 rbis and that's not helping you and like you pointed out, that you know the the last guy on the roster is essential. What if it's a late inning game in the end of September, 
and you need that guy that can steal you a bag. Well, you can't have that because maybe you have Albert still on the roster. Right. And you think he's an important part of your team going into the playoffs. Well, what can he provide? He can't – he's not – he doesn't have a mindset right now where he can come in situationally and just try to get, try to get a hit in a pitch hit situation. I don't think – because that is a mentality you have to – you have to kind of – grow into someone mm-hmm. like Johnny Gomes. He grew into that because he knew Kevin Millar kind of grew into that later in his, his career too. It's like, you have to grow into that position of knowing if you're going to be a pinch hitter, a late game replacement that you have a mi- different mindset than knowing, Oh, well, I got four at bats in a game. I just got to get in a groove. You got to get in a groove right away. If you're going to be a pinch hitter. So it, it doesn't, makes sense for the angels to sit there and have him a bench player either. So the logic, logical decision tells you that you need to move on. And I hope, I hope someone picks him up. Uh, I know there was chatter about the white Sox because of the Tony Rusa connection, but that he shot that down already too. Yeah. And I'll say this much. I, I hope here's the thing if the angels, Going into the last week or so of the season, if they last couple of days, if they know for a fact they are not like they're mathematically out of it, I think it'd be a really cool gesture considering they're going to have expanded rosters at that time to maybe sign him to like uh, and teams do this by the way. This isn't just some goofy thing I'm thinking of on the fly. Sign him to like a one day contract, a one week contract. Let him come in. Let him let him play the last game of the season. Get a few at bats, uh, and then send him off if he wants to retire. If he's bound to determine he's still able to play. Because like you said, a lot of players, legendary players, have a really hard time hanging it up, walking away, and realizing they're not the player they once were. Uh, so, um, yeah, I just want to – I mean, there's no doubt this guy's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah. Uh, and just for, for the sake of references, I'm using Pro Baseball Reference. Uh, great site. If you need to know anything sports that related, personally, I'd recommend them. Uh, 3,253 hits. <laughs> Yeah, pretty good. 667 career home runs. Absolutely amazing. Over 2,000 RBIs. Um, 1,300 walks. Uh, has more walks in his career than strikeouts. And even with his recent struggles, still has a 298 career average. I mean, this guy is bound for Cooperstown five <laughs> five years and one second after he hangs him up. He's a, he, he's a legend. He is uh, just goes to show you... Once again, we always say this, when you can get deep in the drafts and find talent. This man was a 13th round pick in 1999, and he ended up being a three-time MVP, 10-time All-Star, two gold gloves, uh, Rookie of the Year, uh, two-time World Series champion, six over sluggers, NL MVP, um, excuse me, NLCS MVP, when he was with the Cardinals and won the World Series. I mean, just... You can't say enough about how 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 scary this guy was at the plate in his prime. He was a terror. I know when the Red Sox played the Cardinals in 04, he was the guy. When he came up and there was people on base, I was like, he's going to be the reason the curse continues. I love you, Albert, but damn it. Um, luckily, they, they were able to pull it out. But, yeah, just you, you hope – I hope somebody picks him up. If he really wants to play, I hope somebody picks him up and maybe he can, you know, mentor some some young players along the way. But yeah, it's 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 unfortunate that it wasn't just able to 
end his time in LA the way he wanted to. But for anybody saying it's about money, that's not true. It was about getting talent on the field that could help because his contract's fully guaranteed. He's not losing any money. No. So it's not. A, it's not about. He doesn't. They don't save a dime by cutting him. They add a roster spot. So that's what it was about. But best of luck to you, Albert, wherever you went. And if this is it, thank you for uh, for all the great memories, dude. Appreciate it. All right. Now, <laughs> moving on to um, not such a legendary player. Uh, <laughs> former New York Mets minor league great Tim Tebow uh, is apparently signed with the Jacksonville Jaguars because after getting a a, a surefire uh, blue-chip prospect stud like Trevor Lawrence and adding some really good running back depth and bringing in some real good receivers, yep. what do you want to do? You want to add a guy who's washed out of every sport he's tried since he was drafted. And I don't say that. I don't say that to be mean. I really don't. But let's face it. Team Tebow has not, well, the effort's there. He's not exactly killed it. He's, like, saying he's been good is like giving him a participation trophy. He has not clicked with any sport he's tried. I commend him for trying to chase his dream. I really do. Good for him. But, uh, yeah, it's it's... I don't quite – I don't understand it now because people have been telling him for years, years and years and years, even leading up to him being drafted, that he should have came in the league as a tight end. You were telling me that. That was all the talk. As coming as a tight end, you could have a successful career. He's a big dude. He's got a good frame, strong guy. Right. Athletic as hell. Yeah. <laughs> like, just wasn't the best passer by far. And, well – now, apparently, you know, um, let's see, what is it? 11 years after he was first drafted and leaving the NFL and then having a, uh, a, a a career as an analyst and then trying to be a baseball player, he is now back in the NFL. Um, I mean, maybe it'll work out. How, how do you see this playing out? Because I just, I don't know... I don't know after all this time of not being on the field if he's going to now be able to step in and go into a physical skill position like this and, and be anything close to effective. So if we look at players like you know Darren Waller, even Kyle Pitts, who transitioned into the tight end position from basketball in college and – brought those skills, but still had to develop them in the pros. And and Kyle Pitts is uh, top-end talent and looks like he could be one of the greats by all the draft grades. But, of course, can he do it on the field? Right. Darren Waller took a few years to really figure it out. So, And even a talent like Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, they, they took time to develop their skill and, and really hone in on it as an elite tight end. And what I'm trying to get at is he hasn't played football in years. And when he did play football, it was at the quarterback position. I don't see any way he'll be able to participate in a positive manner to this team in this season realistically he should be a game day inactive at best 
for the entire season to see if he can catch, if he can understand the offense, if he can read the proper routes coming from the quarterback, if he can understand what the defenses are throwing at him, because now he's looking at it from a different perspective at tight end. And if he can't, if he can't do it on the practice field and he can't do it on the walk in the walkthroughs, what makes you think he can do it in an NFL game? So all I'd say is Jacksonville fans best case scenario for Tim Depot is that he's on the roster for the entire season. And if he is active on game day, it's because of injury or they're having a crap season and they're kind of mailing it in at the end of the season. That's the only way he makes it on the field. Look, if you're a Jaguars fan, you have plenty to be excited about for the upcoming season. Absolutely. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, like I said, who knows what it's going to end up being, but looks to be the most surefire prospect since Andrew Luck. And before that, probably Peyton Manning. Uh, you know, you have Travis Ntn coming in along with James Robinson, who was a huge surprise coming into last year, but looked awesome, had a great year. So you got a great running back duo. DJ Shark looks like with a quarterback to compliment him consistently could absolutely be I'm, I'm going to say top 10 receiver in the league. Honestly, I, I, the talent's there. When Minshew first came in two years ago and he was really doing, well, let's not say good, but better, uh, Shark looked awesome. Uh, before. Yeah, he had some ankle injuries that slowed him down a little bit last year, but the guy's been fantastic when he's on. Um, you know, and, and, and I mean, they have they have talent on that offense. Uh, and then they picked up, they picked up a Marvin Jones Jr., who, I mean, you know, he's not a top, top receiver, top 5'10 guy, but he's a very nice piece. If you get a competent quarterback throwing to him, he never had a trouble when Stafford was throwing to him. It was always when a backup was throwing to him in Detroit. So, I mean, there's a lot for Jaguars fans to look forward to. Now, inevitably, they'll just blow up the team in four years because they don't know how to run an organization. That's true. <laughs> as they've proven time and time again. Um, but for Jaguars fans' sake, let's hope this is the time they don't do that. Um, but... Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, he wasn't a, like, if you come out of college when you're used to the impact, you're used to being hit, you're used to all the physicality, um, it's one thing to transition. You know, Julian Edelman was much smaller than Tebow is and was a quarterback in college and came out as a wide receiver and had a, a damn fine career playing in games that mattered and performing at a high level. Tebow hasn't done that, though. Like you were saying, he did not come out as a tight end like people had said he should have. The Broncos still took him as the 25th overall pick in 2010 as a quarterback, tried to make it work. That was the Josh McDaniels Broncos uh, Broncos tenure. So we know that was not exactly the brightest of days up there in the Mile High City. But he didn't pan out. Two seasons, he was gone. Went to the Jets for a year. Didn't work out. Following year was in Patriots training camp. And everybody was like, oh my God, what does Bill Belichick know? What's he gonna what's he gonna turn this guy into? And Belichick was like, man, nothing. Didn't even make camp. Ended up getting cut and he was gone. Then he went to be an analyst. Then he tried being a baseball player. I mean, he's an athletic guy. Really athletic. Kept himself in great shape. Problem is you can work out every single day and be in awesome shape. If you're not used to the impact, if you're not used to getting hit like he was when he was a player, you're gonna get hurt. That's the one thing Gronkowski was saying. Gronkowski only took a year off. And he said it took him weeks and weeks and weeks to get used to the physicality again. And this is Gronk. This is the human bulldozer. So I don't know how Tebow is going to fare, even if he 
<laughs> I apologize. I don't know if anybody can hear it. My uh, my dog recently got surgery. She's sleeping next to my foot, and she is snoring. So if you can hear it, I apologize. But uh, she's on medication. She ain't going anywhere. Um, but Tebow, you know, he didn't want to listen to anybody. He wanted to do his own thing. And I can respect somebody going after their dream and doing their own thing. I'm not trying to knock the kid, kid, guy. This isn't going to work. I'm 100% on the same page as you, dude. It's not going to work. He's going to get hurt or just not be able to perform. And look, there's another side to this that I didn't actually think of until I I opened up up, uh, Bleacher Report this morning and I saw a couple of comments from some current and former players saying, how is it possible Kaepernick has no contract, but this guy hasn't played, didn't ever really play at a high level. Hasn't played since 2012, and all of a sudden he's back in the league. What do you? I have my opinions on that. What do you think? I don't think it's it's not apples to apples. No, this is this is totally different. You're you're looking at a team. Colin Kaepernick is a different story because he's trying to play. Well, first off, the great question is, does he want to play football right now? Because mm-hmm. is his value? That's the thing. Not playing football. That's the thing. Yep. Um, on Tim Tebow, I just looked at the roster for the tight end position. Collectively, between two veterans, a rookie and Tim Depot, I think it was collectively uh, 40 receptions in the NFL. So he's not going into a tight end room with a lot of talents or a lot of uh, veteran status. But the two players have been in the league for a couple of years, at least. And then the rookie coming in is coming out of college, reasonably probably starting in his college career. And I just, I don't think it's the same. It does not correlate because there's different positions. He, if, if he was trying out for a quarterback position on any one of the teams, he wouldn't get the job. There, there are plenty of backup quarterbacks that have a lot more established uh, credibility than Tim Tebow does, and he hasn't been in the league for years. So, where's the value at him playing quarterback? There is some value him playing tight end or a halfback pseudo tight end position, but even that's a, a stretch. And and honestly, there's a there's a good chance that even though Urban Meyer is the head coach and he coached him in college, there is still a chance that he will not make um, opening roster. Like there's, there's a legit chance because you only have so many positions. He could be Urban Meyer's boy all he wants. If there's a 54 players, 54, 55, 54. We 53 man roster. 53. Thank you. Um, you as, as Bill Belichick will put it, you need all those positions and all those positions useful because you never know what's going to happen. And I just don't see if it comes down to the seventh offensive lineman and Tim Tebow, which one's going to bring more value to your team. And I, I don't, I honestly don't see him making the roster. I see him on the practice squad maybe, but other than that, no, and then if he's on the practice squad and he takes it, it's still no different. It is still different than 
Colin Kaepernick because Kaepernick would never be the third or fourth quarterback on a team because, again, his value outside of the game would be diminished if he took that position. So it, it's not the same thing. They, they don't correlate. And the investment in Tim Tebow is probably not that great right now. Two very good points you brought up or two bullet points I had that I wanted to bring up. So I'm glad I'm not the only one, you know, with those with the, the train of thought going towards those two opinions. The first one being, yeah, he was signed. But from what I can see here, the fit, the numbers aren't, uh, um, aren't available right now. Because uh, apparently the contract has not been finalized, um, but it, it will be within the next week or so. It's believed he'll make around seven hundred thousand for a base salary, which honestly I'm surprised it's not league minimum. Um, but you know, there's no guarantees with that. So, like you said, there is absolutely zero guarantee he gets anything other than an opportunity in training camp. So it very well could be comes in, they see him for a week or two. He may not even make a preseason game, mind you. But this, this guy might come in and just play three or four downs and or um, play three or four four days in uh, training camp and be like, yeah, you know what? We're, we're good. You're going to be on a practice squad, Tim. So anybody getting upset from a standpoint of, oh, he's back in the league, they act like he's guaranteed 150 targets and starting 17 games. Not even close. Like, they brought him in with an opportunity. This contract is very easily just cut bait and you're done. Don't worry about it. Not going to cause the Jaguars anything. So people worked up on that front. I don't understand. Um, I, I, I do agree with you also that the Kaepernick thing is not apples to apples because the big question with Kaepernick is, yeah, does he see himself as more valuable now, just not kind of almost being a martyr, not in the game? We're not talking about his social justice things, whether you agree, whether you disagree, whether you love him, you hate him. We're strictly talking about on the field. Let us not forget. On the field, Colin Kaepernick is not a star. He had a really good season the year he chased Alex Smith away from San Francisco. And then he went downhill. He does not want to be a backup. He wants to be a starter. He is not a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL. He's just not. On the field, numbers do not lie. And as Ben said, taking a backup role, a third string role, would diminish his cause and would diminish the impact it has because he can be the guy who says, they're keeping me out of the league right now because they don't want to hear what I have to say. And that gains him eyeballs. If the minute the league, the minute he's back in the league, all of a sudden, that whole stigma, if he's the guy being held down, goes away. His message loses some impact. So I don't even know if he really wants to be in the league or if he just wants it to kind of be the message of, you know, I want to be and I'm being held out. Uh, but I believe you and I both said, back when we discussed this before his tryout last year, uh, we absolutely believe he was being blackballed for years. Yeah. No doubt. I 100% agree with that. Um, I also, uh, if he was willing to take a backup role or a quarterback compete for a, a position at quarterback, uh, I absolutely believe he is more talented than many backups in the league physically. And if you could get with the right coach, um, you know, you, you could maybe turn him into something. Uh, unfortunately, with him comes a circus. He has this need to try to turn everything 
into everyone's out to get him. Well, it's like the tryout last year. It, it now both both parties were at fault in that. In that, if I remember, I'm trying to remember that correctly, I know he wouldn't sign a waiver. Um, but they also brought in um, the old coach from um, Cleveland. I just fired him. I don't remember. He was the offensive uh, coordinator with uh, Marvin Lewis in Cincinnati. I can't. Hugh Jackson? Yes, Hugh yeah. Jackson. He, they were going to bring him in and run the whole, the whole uh, I guess, private combine. And there was dispute on what last minute things were going back and forth between the league and his camp. And so in that instance, both were at fault and, and you could, but you can understand both position on wanting to try to control um, the events, you know, Kaepernick couldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't trust. And I wouldn't trust if I were Kaepernick, I wouldn't oh, no. trust the no. league on, on anything, but he also wouldn't give on anything or at least his camp wouldn't uh, on any concessions on the event and how to televise it. So I think right now the position he has right now is that there are a lot of quarterbacks in the league. Like we've discussed this many times, Chris, right now there are way too many quarterbacks and not enough positions. You have multiple backup quarterbacks in this league that are probably starters you have this is and this is not the well if you have three quarterbacks you really have none no there are teams Jameis Winston is still a start league starting quarterback uh Mac Jones and Cam Newton are reasonable starting quarterbacks in this league I can keep going but there's not enough teams so his problem would be he would have to beat out a starter in, in any one of these teams, Chicago Bears, they have um, Andy Dalton, who is not a playoff winning quarterback, but he is still a, a reasonable franchise quarterback that could with the right pieces. But now you have Justin Fields on that team. There's just too many, too many quarterbacks and not enough, not enough uh, seats for them. And is he going to want to fight with a starting quarterback, if they have some roots on that team or they understand the playbook a little more, is he going to want to try to fight? And what happens if he doesn't win out the position? Now he's the backup quarterback. And his what's his position and, and how, again, as you pointed out, the circus, is that going to come into making the team have to make a decision on if they're going to start him or not because of the circus. Absolutely. And, and and to be clear, at least from my, I don't want to speak for you, but from my point of view, the circus is nothing to do with his views or what he's trying to do, what his oh, goals, it's all the other stuff around it. Exactly. It's all of the, it's all of this. Everything has to be televised. Everything has to be, uh, uh news and noteworthy. And it can't just be uh, a tryout. Teams have tryouts almost every week, all the time, with all sorts of different folks, including, uh, you know, former Pro Bowl players who may have been released and are looking for a last chance. There's tryouts all the time. But this one was publicized because the league had been blackballing him and finally couldn't do it anymore and finally had to give him a tryout. And 
he didn't really want to play in the league because, like you said, he's not a starting caliber quarterback. And he, if he ends up being a backup, every team knows what that's going to mean. It's going to come down to, oh, well, yeah, you let him in, but you let him start because you're still trying to hold him back. And then that team has to deal with that nonsense. And then if they release him, it's, sure, you let him go because he voiced his opinion. You can't ever get down to the fact of he just wasn't that great of a quarterback. Athletic as hell, had some shining moments, but just wasn't great. He wasn't a Patrick Mahomes. He wasn't a generational legendary talent. He's gained far more notoriety off the field than on the field. And I go back to my point again. He's a smart, smart guy because he didn't care about any of this stuff, any of these social issues he's been going for. He didn't bring up a word about it. Until he knew his job was in jeopardy. Well, look at his record, Chris. I know. He, he he. So they went to the Super Bowl. What was it? Would have been. Was it thirteen? I think so. Hold on. No, no, it was thirteen. I think it was twelve. They were facing um. They Ravens. Faced the Ravens. Yeah, it was twelve. So he he, as you pointed out, he came in hair on fire and took the job from Alex Smith, and they went twelve and four the next year. Uh, great season, 21 touchdowns, eight uh, eight interceptions, thirty almost 3,200 yards passing. Um, not as great of a season the next year, eight and eight, 3,000 yards plus. And then it, he, I guess he only played eight games the following season. I'm sure there was an injury in there. And then his last season in San, in San Francisco where he played, started 11 games, he went one in 10, he had 2,200 yards, 16 touchdowns, four interceptions. Obviously, I'm not adding context to what went on, but there is – he wasn't at the peak of his position. No. He wasn't. And and if we took Colin Kaepernick, let's say 20 – was that 23 – 25-year-old Colin Kaepernick, and we plopped him into 2021 – same time frame of two, three years in the league. He's probably at a Pro Bowl status right now because there wouldn't have been a needed, a needed to have so much work transitioning from the college game to the pro game because you've got to give credit to Colin. He also showed teams in the league that they can bring that college game into the pro game and help these quarterbacks transition easier. And I think that's the one thing you can credit Colin for is showing the, the professionals in the NFL that these college quarterbacks, because they don't fit all those, you know, check those usual boxes, you know, big, tall, big arm. You know, if you don't fit in that mold, it's not going to work. He showed that you can mold any quarterback into this game, and and uh, you know someone like um, someone like Lamar Jackson comes in, and anything Colin did, he just took it to the, you know umpteenth degree because they literally formed the entire offense around him. I will say there is one correlation between Tim Tebow and Colin Kaepernick. Their tryouts would have only garnered attention because of their polarizing uh, 
being polarizing figures. Yes. You pointed out that, you know, every day there could be tryouts. You know, the Patriots are probably holding tryouts once a week during the season just to see if there's anybody. But they don't get the kind of, you know, accolades or, or attention that Colin Kaepernick got or Tim Tebow got. Like, the only ones you get to hear about during the season is if a team's kicker sucks, he gets cut, and now it's, okay, who are they bringing in to – to try to replace them. How many of these re- retreads are they bringing in to, to test out to see if it works? Other than that, you don't hear about it. So that's about the only correlation between the two right now that I can see. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's you know, like like we said, it, it's nothing to do with we're not getting into his, his issues. It just comes down to on-the-field talent. And right now, Tebow has to know He's going in and competing. He's not guaranteed anything. And like I said, if you were going to have Kaepernick, he'd have to be a starter. Because if he was a backup, then it would be, oh, sure, I'm not good enough to start. And then if he was released, it would be like he was with San Fran. I'm released because of my views and my opinions. And it's just, it doesn't even have to do with anybody disagreeing with his views or opinions. It's just you don't want to deal with it. And that puts your head coach and your offense coordinator position where if I'm forced to have Colin Kaepernick start, over this talented guy that I right. have just because of the mob mentality or the media wanting to get attention and, and yep. maybe Colin Kaepernick's camp trying to put some rumors out there that he wasn't good enough to start because X, Y, and Z. You want a legit battle at quarterback? I'm all for it. But there – Aside from being blackballed early on, I think that would be the point right now teams would have a problem with. And look, this is not going to be popular, but, uh, you know, this is this is how I feel. Um, you know, for all of his – there's all of his talk about inequality, and there's plenty of conversations and things that need to be done about that. I'm not denying that whatsoever. Uh, but this is a guy that before his job was in jeopardy – would sit up there with a pair of of, of Beats headphones on and, and a white mink fur coat and just tell the media he didn't want to talk to him because he was Captain Cool. He was too cool for school. He didn't want to talk to anybody. Nobody could question him while he was struggling. He was Colin Kaepernick. He was above it all. And the minute his job's in jeopardy, all of a sudden he's all about social justice. Now, maybe that's just the way it worked out, but it seems like a hell of a coincidence to me. At the end of the day, regardless... If, if if him doing that has done some good, then hey, awesome. More power to him. If people who need help get help because of that, I'm all for it. Uh, but from his perspective, uh, I just think it was awful convenient. And there's just, like you said, there's a media circus that follows him around. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's not the same. Tebow, Tebow going in knowing he's one of five five contracted tight ends right now. Uh, and the Jaguars, knowing he's going to have to fight for his spot, is not the same as Kaepernick going in, acting like he should just walk in and be a starter. You're not a starting quality quarterback, and you won't take a backup role. And and there's something else Tim Pebo needs to realize. If he's incapable of blocking or at least chipping a tackle or blocking a linebacker, there's no way he steps foot on the field. Because if let's say you're going head to head with Chicago, and you're you you have to pull, 
on a naked bootleg for uh, Trevor Lawrence. Or you have to block the outside linebacker because they're running the read option. And that linebacker coming down is a, a gentleman by the name of Khalil Mack. And you can't even put your put your body in front of him to, I don't know if slow him down, but at least be a speed bump. Then there's no shot that you're, they're going to see the field because they don't want their prized first overall quarterback getting cemented by Khalil Mack. Like that's just not going to happen. So he needs, there's a lot he needs to work on. Uh, even depending on the offense they're going to run, they're just, there's a lot he needs to work on just to be able to be the third or fourth tight end on this team. And personally, I would give him a shot, but when those first cuts come down, he's, he's number one on my list of, of saying goodbye to, cause I just, I don't see yeah. it. You don't, you don't need him out of the backfield. You've got two talented running backs coming out of the backfield, not to mention players that I, I, I don't remember who was on. Is there anybody else that I can think of Carlos Hyde too? Like those are three tight ends, uh, three running backs coming out of the backfield. So oh, you're, yeah. not gonna, you're not really going to use Tim Tebow out of the backfield. You could, you, here's the thing, Chris. You could have done all this stuff when he was coming out of college. Yep. In 2010, he was you could have. just doing this stuff. Yep. There was a lot of stuff they were doing in Florida that could have translated and, and maybe could have grown the game quicker with. And again, this is the same thing with Colin. It's the same thing with Tim Debo. If he came out of school, same age right now, and he did what he did in college. He still wouldn't be looked at as a quarterback, but they would look at him as this super utility offensive player a la Taysom Hill. And that's the difference is Taysom Hill took took a hold of, I'll give him credit, he took a hold of the fact that maybe he's not a starting quarterback, but there's some things he can do on the field to get him to stay on the field. And that turned into a pretty decent contract at least right oh yeah he's made millions of dollars i mean you can't can't argue that and again like that Taysom Hill's a hell of an a quarterback or excuse me hell of an athlete but like you said he knew he needed to find other elements of his game to incorporate with that because he wouldn't he's not a guy dropping back throwing 40 50 times a game it's not going to work Tebow thought he could incorporate that into his game and now here we are 12 years after he's drafted and he's trying something completely different <laughs> at an age when most guys are thinking about getting out of the league. So I have a question for you, Chris. I don't know if it's going to work. What's that? Let's say Josh McDaniels and whoever the GM was at the time don't make this bonehead move and draft him in the first round. Let's say he reasonably drops where he should have been. Third, fourth round? Second, third round. Do you think he has a different... I think it was, I, I don't remember exactly where he was supposed to be uh, projected, but if he does drop to where he should have been, does that give him that mindset that Taysom Hill has of, okay, I got a lot of work to do and maybe I need to expand myself? Yes. And not only that, it gives the team the leeway to do so. Because here's the thing when you draft somebody at us as a position in the first round you're not drafting them as a project you're saying you're one of the 32 best players in this draft you're going to be able to come in and help my team within a relatively reasonable amount of time right 
not you're going to be a four-year project and we're going to have to figure out if we can fi- uh, pick up your fifth-year option before you're even able to help the team. That's kind of the problem the Packers are running into with Jordan Love right now and, and Aaron Rodgers is, oh, boy, this guy's playing at a high level and he's not happy and he wants out. And we got this kid we want to have starting, but we want to keep him too. We got to see what we got, or we got to see what we have with Jordan Love before that contract, <laughs> that fifth-year option comes up. Like, eh, what do we do? Whereas if it's a second, third, or, or round pick, or, or, or further down the draft board, uh, he can come in and they can say, well, you know, if they want to try him at quarterback, that's fine. Because if it works out, then, oh, great. We got a, quote, a steal on this guy, and he's effective. And if not, then he's exactly what we knew he was. And we can try to convert him into a tight end or receiver, maybe a fullback, something like that. Uh, And then, you know, no one's upset. It's not considered a bust. It's just considered it took a chance, maybe a little bit high in the second round, but they took a chance on him, and it it didn't pan out the way they planned, but they're going to make the best of it. When it's a first-round pick, and the guy coming in like Tebow was, isn't willing to change positions, isn't willing to, uh, you know, to work with people, and, and figure out what he's going to be able to do to help the team out the most. You don't have any leeway. You don't have any breathing room. You have a guy who wanted to be a quarterback who said he was a quarterback. The team drafted him with a first-round pick as a quarterback. They gave themselves no breathing room. Neither did he. That's why instead of after two seasons them saying, well, we're going to try to convert it now, they're like, well, we got to cut bait. Had they done what everybody thought they should have done, everybody should have done, I think we're talking about a much different story right now. I agree with you 100%. And and I, I bring up two players that could, if you look at it from afar, it, it kind of similar situation. You have Orlando Brown Jr. drafted in the third round. And he brought himself up to a top-tier level tackle. And, and he did make the demand this past offseason. He wanted to play left tackle because, as we know, left tackles make more money, correct? Oh, yeah. Uh, and he forced a trade. And I think that's, that's a talented player elevating their status, even though they were a third-round pick. And then uh, I and it, it project this out, someone like uh, Rashawn Slater. And I brought this up in, in our pre-draft discussion, how he has versatility up and down the line. And I think this is, even though he could play center guard or tackle, you know where he's going to want to play. He's going to want to play tackle. But I think draft his draft position might force the team to have him play left tackle. But I think it gives them, it gives them possibly a door to opening if he doesn't play as successful as they want him to be at tackle and give them a little leeway to push him into guard or, ta- or center, much like Isaiah Wynn with the Patriots, where they're, they're trying to play that fl- flexibility as well. Right. It, it, it's just a matter of your talent level A and your willingness to be on the field and willingness to try to make yourself um, – I, I don't know how to put this – uh, any other way, but a, a key asset to the team by giving yourself versatility. Yep. Because if you're Trevor Lawrence, you don't really need to do that. 
you, you've established what you do. You just need to continue to do that. Right. But someone, you know, later in the draft, even in the first round, does need to show themselves a little bit more. And I think Tim Tebow, I think he got a little high on himself. Yeah. Being from in college, winning the championship, having tremendous success. Some people in his ear all the time, probably Urban Meyer was in his ear too, telling him, yeah, you could be a starting quarterback. You'd be a starting quarterback. Yeah, because Urban didn't have to deal with him as a starting quarterback. Exactly. So it was a lot easier for him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I just think there's – the scenario could have been different. I agree with you that had he just made a decision and say, okay, there's a lot of teams telling me that I need to, I need to open up my versatility as far as what I'm going to play. Even when he was with the jets and with the Patriots, it didn't seem like they were looking at anything other than him being the starting quarterback or a quarterback, at least. And I think that was a mistake too, is that he just, even after the failure in Denver and then going to the New York Jets, the failure there, going to the Patriots, and obviously he didn't make, he didn't make the opening day uh, roster for the Patriots. He still didn't understand that he needed to open up himself as being more versatile. Yep. And that could have, could have changed things had he made that decision early in his life? Well, I mean, like I'll just say this real quick, then we'll move on to our, our last topic. Uh, I, I think you're 100% right. Orlando Brown Jr. came in. That's a, that's a gentleman's name you're talking about, right? Yes, Orlando yes, Brown. Okay, yes. I thought so, okay. Yeah. Uh, Not his dad. Not, yeah, exactly, right. I'll make sure I got, I got, to make sure I got the right person. Uh, you know, he came in, and he made himself a an asset at that position. And then was able to demand, hey, I want to play at this position. They didn't want to let him play at that position. They had somebody else. And he was able to get traded and go play that position. I think he got traded to the Chiefs, right? Yeah. So to the that's, Chiefs. A, that's a pretty good deal. You go from <laughs> go from Garden Lamar Jackson to Garden Patrick Mahomes. Talk about uh talk about not taking a uh, a downturn anywhere. Man, that's uh talk about two elite quarterbacks to get to get to play with. But I mean, that's because he put the work in and made himself, and I'm sure people did put the work in too. He tried, uh, but I mean, you know, Brown Jr. put the work in, became that asset, and was able to do that. Tebow just said, "I want to be a quarterback." Okay, but you're not good enough to be at the NFL level doing it, dude. So you're gonna have to find someone, something else. You're a hell of an athlete. We're gonna give you a chance to be something else. I want to be a quarterback. Okay, bye. You know, if he made himself a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback, and then someone was like, "Well, I want to be—I want you to be a tight end," then he'd have every right to go. No, no, I'm a quarterback. Trade me somewhere who can use me. I could understand that. He didn't. He was a little bit of the big head, and well, now ten, twelve years later, he's going to try to be a tight end again. Good luck to you, man. But this is—I don't think he makes the opening day roster, truthfully. No. So. Okay, now on to our final topic, and this is this is going to be a classic example. I remember a few weeks ago, everybody who's you know downloads episode wherever you find your favorite podcast and listens every week. Remember we talked about the NFLPA saying or or suggesting to teams that they do not participate in off season 
unofficial team activities, uh, such as the OTAs. Um, I believe that stands for, what is that? Optional training? What that stands I, I, for? I always forget it, and then when I hear it, I, 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 give me a second. I'll, I'll yeah. Look it up. Well, it's pretty much the, 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 um, the non-mandatory off-season workouts for teams. It's usually a good chance for a lot of quarterbacks to come in and work with new receivers and and offense uh, defensive players come in and get some chemistry with their their fellow teammates in different positions can really be helpful to a team. However, uh, as we said, the NFLPA and the NFL are in a never-ending pissing contest as to who's going to have more authority uh, over what. So the NFLPA didn't like the fact that the league wanted to go to 17 games. So they now told players, well, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. So I don't know where we are in it. Everybody always says in the middle. I hope we're not still in the middle, but organized team activities. Organized team. Okay, so I had nothing to do with what I said. Optional training. I was wrong, but uh, but they are optional. Correct. Uh, they are not a mandatory, contractually obligated thing. Uh, but you know, you know, we have a pandemic out there, and just don't do optional. If they're not going to pay us, if they're going to make us play extra games, they're going to do this. Eh, just don't do it. And, of course, they thought of some other fluffy reason to not do it. But that was the real reason behind it. Let's be honest. Well, now the league comes out and says, if a player is injured, working out, not on a team facility, guess what? You can void that contract here. You don't have to pay him. Isn't that it's, not what a happened? Sa- it's not a sanctioned team event. Isn't that what happened with that guy? This is exactly what happened with Jawan James, Denver Broncos offensive lineman. Uh, he was not doing anything stupid. He was not doing anything reckless. He wasn't doing anything against his contract. A lot of players will have, you know, I remember when uh, when the Patriots years ago signed Drew Bledsoe to his big 10-year deal. One of the things he loved to do was ski. It was in his contract. You can't ski or, or, or snowmobile or anything because it's considered dangerous, and we're investing this money in you. If you get hurt doing that, your contract is voided. Uh, Mr. James was not doing anything like that. He was simply working out. In the offseason, like every player does, it is a 365-day-a-year job. Every player will tell you that. These guys don't just leave at the end of the Super Bowl and all of a sudden just get back together and start working out again in August. We're working out all year long. The Broncos apparently are going to take this new league memo and void his $10 million he's owed this year because he suffered a season-ending Achilles injury while working out outside of the team facility. Uh, this is clearly, clearly to me at least, maybe I'm, maybe I'm, I don't know, seeing things, but to me, it's clearly a case of more jockeying for positions since the NFLPA said teams shouldn't not participate in OTAs and optional training. Um, but now you're, here's the thing though. Now you're getting players speaking up. You're not just getting the official NFLPA memos. You're getting players and not just any players. You're getting guys like Tom Brady. You're getting guys like Patrick Mahomes. You're getting the top of the line, super duper, uber respected players, high quality players, the league's money makers coming out and saying, well, this is what the league wants to do. They want to pull. Guess what? Let's not do OTAs. Let's not do anything that's not contractually obligated. I got to tell you, man, I don't blame them. Don't blame Uh, them one bit. So I think this is... my first reaction when I heard this at Tom Brady coming out and speaking, I just think back to last year 
when everyone was told everything has to be virtual, we can't, we can't do anything in person, it has to be virtual. And he went out and organized activities on his own with other players. Well, that was, that was a screw you to Bill Belichick, though, let's be honest. It, it probably was. Yeah. But he went against protocol that stated that they were not allowed to organize. And then he was out and wins the Super Bowl. Okay. And now you're going to come out this offseason and state, hey, we should not do OTAs, dot, 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 whatever reason you want to fill in. I look at this and say, he knows he can win. He brought back his team. He still has the offense. He got a few extra pieces. And now he can try to get the rest of the league not to practice as much to build that continuity to maybe challenge him. I think there's part of it that part of it is, well, if you're not going to pay us, uh, even though the Denver Broncos player was uh, training away from the facility. So if it's part of the contract, it's part of the contract. But I think part of it is he wants to try to bring the level of competition down because he knows if they have a full off season, even though his division is not great, the teams coming in from other divisions are going to be really talented and could probably usurp him as uh, the top of the NFC because a lot of the teams didn't have that offseason training. They had a lot of virtual. And maybe if a little bit more on-the-field practice happens and a little less virtual practice happens – Maybe we have a different outcome. We'll never know, but maybe we have a different outcome last year as far as who's in the playoffs, who's in the Super Bowl. Because let's be frank, if the Washington football team had a legit quarterback, we may be having a different conversation right now. Yeah, I could have, would have, should have. Um, I know, I do, I do understand what you're trying to say. I don't think despite everybody thinking Tom Brady's this evil genius, I don't think he's sitting there trying to tell teams they shouldn't work out. That way he has a better chance. I don't think somebody at Brady's level worries about that. Um, I think it's very uh, uh, convenient that he was asked to be at OTAs a lot of times with the Patriots and wasn't. And then his first year away, he doesn't have to do it. All of a sudden he is again. Like I said, I think that was a screw you to Belichick all day. Um, Let me ask you a question real quick. What's up? Does your opinion change on this whole thing if he does the, if he pulls that same crap this year? Oh, if he comes out and says they shouldn't do it, and then he's and if I know he's doing it, then it's like okay, you're just talking to talk. You're okay. just talking to hear your own voice. Uh, you're trying to maybe maybe he is trying to throw people off at that point. Um, I honestly think this is him knowing how screwy the league can be and trying to almost stick up for a fellow player. Like, same as Patrick Mahomes was. You saw Tyreek Hill come out. Pretty much the entire Chiefs team, NFC, uh, excuse me, AFC West rivals of the Broncos uh, are West. Yeah, West. Uh, Came out and was sticking up for Jawan James and said, this is absolutely ridiculous. We are, you know, there is, it is not, it's one of those shady areas, which is why it's going to be a big time point of contention when the next uh, CBA comes around, collective bargaining agreement. Because in eight, in eight years, yeah, dude, 
Dude, these guys don't drop. These guys don't drop anything. I know, but they literally just signed it like last year, didn't they? I did. Yeah, they did. But it's still going to be a point of contention when it comes up that, okay, we have these guys who lost money because they're working out at home. This this guy wasn't. He wasn't out water skiing in the middle of the Caribbean right, being right. reckless. I that. He, they, it's a twenty four seven twenty four seven three sixty five job. 365 day a year job like they, they to even consider penalizing a player for working out at home is absurd beyond it is literally the league just fighting back and being pissed because they're the all-seeing all-knowing puppet masters being pissed that the nflpa dare say if you're going to hold all these ridiculous regulations over us then we're just not going to come until we're contractually obligated to, and we'll do our own thing on our own time. And the league's like, oh, yeah? Well, how about this? We can void your contract if you get hurt. It's absurd. It's just jockeying. If, if as I'll say, Chris, if James was hurt just working out, I, I mean just working out at home, not, not like, you know, uh, hitting the sled or, you know, Practicing with a fellow offensive lineman. I'm talking about legit, like he's squatting, you know, pumping iron, whatever he was doing. If he's legit right. just doing that, I could understand your point. But I need to understand the context of what, what the workout was. Because if it was he was training with another offensive lineman, if he was training with a fellow defensive lineman, if he was practicing moves – and he got injured in that in that sense because he didn't want to go to the facility to be at the OTAs, but he wanted to get some training in, then I think that's where you have to look at it and say, well, you didn't want to go to the facility and do the off, um, organized team activity, but you wanted to stay at home and or go to a, a private gym with one of your one or two of your uh, fellow teammates and practice that way and you got injured that way well that's on you to decide to do that so I think for me I need to understand the context of what how the injury happened and where it happened and what activity he was doing for me to make a, a firm decision on if he was in the right or wrong and I think the other NFL players, if they don't know the context of how he got injured, I think they should push pull back a little bit and say, hey, what 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 happened? How did you get that torn Achilles? Because if you're just getting it by, you know, running on the treadmill or, you know, squatting, and that's everyday normal stuff that anybody could have happened, well – that's a problem for you. But I will say, I will agree with you on this. It's a little heavy handed for uh, a team or the league to just simply snap their finger and void the contract because the player got injured. Yeah. Working out. Yeah. Well, there's nothing. I still need the context though. That's what I still need. I don't personally, we're going to disagree on that. Um, 
because uh, it's not only heavy handed, it just shows like the authoritarianism of the actual NFL office is that, oh, you don't want to do everything we tell you to do? Okay, guess what? Now we're going to take your money. Um, if that's the case, I want every player to put down the weights right now and go to Krispy Kreme and come into camp 30 pounds overweight and see what the league says. Because I mean, you might want to do that. I mean, quite I'm honestly, if I, too. If, oh, yeah. If I was an offensive lineman, I would. Because then you're coming out of shape and they try to void your contract for that. And now you have grounds to say, you're going to void my contract for being out of shape? Well, what you guys kept opening, shutting down, opening, shutting down, opening team facilities. I was trying to work out. And this guy lost his money because of it when he was doing nothing wrong. Uh, and, and, and now you're telling me I listen to league policy. And which, and I realized that, you know, gaining 30 pounds out of spite is not the right way to handle it either. I'm being a bit sarcastic. Uh, but now I'm trying to follow league rules. And, you, you know, now you're punishing me for that. Because, look, you're not going to, you've seen some of the videos on Derrick Henry's offseason workouts. Yeah. I mean, the man is an absolute monster. He's, he's damn near, sub, I mean, just almost not even human with some of the stuff he does. You're going to tell me. <laughs> dragging a 200-pound sled up a, a hill on the side of a highway with chains wrapped around you is part of an, a, a normal off-season workout? No. So what you're saying is he does all these things that make him the monster he is, but he gets hurt. The team can say, well, even though we encouraged it, wink, wink, now your contract's voided. That's what I mean when I say it's got to be addressed in the CBA, regardless of when it is. And I think it will be, regardless of how far away it is, because if players are going to start losing money for working out in the offseason, like, dude, there was there was times, right, uh, kind of going back to some personal reference, where I was in really, really good shape. Not like Derrick Henry shape, but I was in good shape. And I could go to the gym, and I could run a couple miles on the treadmill, and I could go, I could, you know, lift weights, and I could do resistance training, a whole nine yards. A lot of muscle tone, really good shape, great cardio. And I'd go try to play basketball after work with some of the guys I worked with. And I'm blowing up after five minutes. I'm sucking air. I can't even breathe. And these guys are, not to be mean, not in the same shape I was. But they were used to playing basketball after work. They're running circles around me. And the only place a lot of them had run before that was to the counter for more donuts. <laughs> and they're, 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 running, they're running circles around me on the court. Because they're used to it. So if you're going to tell a guy who has to be in game shape... That in the offseason, he's he's wrong for, you know, training with some of his buddies or, or hitting the sled or, or or doing stuff that isn't just lifting weights or doing cardio, then that has to be in the contract. And look, it usually isn't. But if it was in this particular case, then okay. Like it or not, if it's in the contract, it's in the contract. But those kind of things aren't in NFL contracts. This is simply the league being spiteful because the Players Association dare challenge them. And I have my problems with the NFLPA, too. Don't get we both do. Don't get me wrong. But this is a weird situation that came up, and you're really finding out just how much the league wants to back these players when they're not just toting the company line for them the entire time. There's two things there, Chris. One, I think it should be in the contracts. I, I think there's no way – when they're when they finalize that next CBA, I understand it's it's a ways away. There's no way they should not end these negotiations and sign without, in some way or fashion, have uh, allow players 
in the contract with the agreement of the team to uh, put the correct language in what kind of workouts they can and can't do and what will be. Sure. Because I, I think you're pointing out Drew Bledsoe going skiing. That needs to be put in the contract that he can't do that. I yep. agree with that because that is that hurts the franchise, hurts the teams, and hurts the players if he goes skiing and gets injured. Um, and I forgot my second point, so I will continue <laughs> with my first point. Yeah, uh, real quick, though, is there any precedent for for uh, things being brought up before a CBA was meant to go for renegotiation, being brought up in like an emergency fashion? To I'm I'm sure there is. I I don't remember, but I, I'm sure I there would, is. I would just think if there is. This would be definitely one of those situations where it may be necessary to not wait eight years for it because it's really going to affect the quality of play on the field. The players are oh, like, okay, well, we my... can't we can't practice anymore out of the off, out of team facilities. Well, I guess we have from February to well, in some cases, if you're some teams, you have them December, but February until uh, I don't know, early to mid July off. Cool. All right, see ya. That that was my other point, Chris. Is the quality of the play on the field. And the bottom line are, are kind of tied together with this. Yep. Is that they want the best quality football week one so they can try to recoup as much money as they can back and to really get those TV deals and make sure they're getting all the maximum money that they can get out of that and making sure any advertisement can be at peak dollar. And you can't do that if your players, as you just said, um, most of the, at least half the league is going from December or first week of January all the way to mid July and not doing any organized team activity. Cause a month, if you think, if you think your players can get ready in a month, go ahead. I, I don't know. I think, I, personally, I think if you start late June, early July, and you slowly build up the players, and I mean slow, by the end of August, if you do one or two preseason games, and it's, you know, the usual, a quarter, half, and you're pulling them, I think you can reasonably be ready for games beginning September in pretty good shape, I think. It's very strange, and, and to me, it just appears like it, it, it. It's very obvious that it's just more, more of a you know what measuring contest between the NFLPA and the NFL. I mean, there is a lot of that right now, but I think, I think some of the players coming out very strong against OTAs. Uh, you do need to look at what their their angle is, and. Uh, Especially, and I, I'm not trying to crap on Tom Brady, but he's the one that's been most vocal, and to the point where his his audio, not the audio, but the the text of what he said in the phone call has been leaked out multiple places, which tells me that he wanted to get wanted it to get out. Oh and yeah, I, I yeah. just I just look at that and say, okay, what is his angle as far as on the field and off the field? And what is he trying to do? Is he trying to lessen the competition so he can have a easier time getting to the Super Bowl, albeit it's not easy anyway? Or is he legitimately trying to better the game for 
the future players so that they don't have to go through the two-a-days, so they don't have to go through multiple practices a week, so they don't have to risk getting injured because they had to run laps because they had a crappy offensive uh, set five plays in a row, you know? I could understand the idea behind that stuff, but we're at a point where you want the best football on the field from September to February. Yeah. I think as far as Brady goes, I'll, I'll just, I'll just say this. Um, I, I don't think it has anything to, like I said, any nefarious reason. I think it's honestly just him trying to take a shot back at a league that has nitpicked at him for years when he was with the Patriots. Um, I think if he had not done the offseason training last year, nobody would even be questioning him right now because it would have been 10 years since he did OTAs. And everybody would have been like, yeah, Tom Brady doesn't like him. We all know that. <laughs> but doing it last year does raise suspicion and raise question. I understand that. I think it's him saying, well, the league wants to tell us we're not going to get paid if we get hurt working out off, you know, off top, outside of a team facility. So how about if it's not contractually obligated? We just don't show up. How about that? And it's a pissing contest. And uh, unfortunately, I think if they don't figure it out within the next you know, year or two, reasonable, a reasonable amount of time, uh, it's going to hurt the quality of play on the field, and that will affect the bottom line. Because there's no way players show up jacked to the gills <laughs> you know, after not being at an official team function for four months just out of the blue. They're obviously working out. So if you're going to tell them they can't do that or they lose their money if they get hurt, well... It's uh, it's gonna look a lot like uh, uh, I don't know, maybe a flag football league somewhere and in, in, <laughs> in the middle of the summer, but or the XFL. I didn't want to be mean against any professional players, but yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> All right, one last thing, more more of a fun fact than an actual topic. I was uh, looking at, I don't know, I like to look at uh, NFL memes. It's it's it's, it's pretty funny. Uh, I usually usually find a couple a week, and I'll send them to Ben. Uh, And uh, the Jaguars, the first time the Jaguars lose this season, the regular season, will be the first time Trevor Lawrence has lost a regular season game uh, at any organized level while starting. I shouldn't say any organized level. I don't know. Maybe he lost during Pop Warner times, during high school or college. So officially in seven years, the man has not lost – a regular season game he started. Um, that's look. There's a reason he's the kind of prospect he is. So, <laughs> I mean, who knows what he's going to be in the NFL? But uh, yeah, I can see why people were so high on him. If you can look in over the last seven years and say, yeah, he hasn't lost a regular season game he started. That's that's pretty impressive. Uh, it is. It is. Uh, but he's going to lose, and at some point, but I think. <laughs> I think I know. <laughs> what did I tell you? Wait, wait, wait for week one. Wait for week one. <laughs> but um, I think the real test for him is going to be at the end of the season. Where are they at? And how much growth between Travis Etienne, James, Rob- James Robinson, uh, DJ Chark? How much have they grown, and how much have they developed a chemistry to where next year? if they can add a piece or two and really jumpstart this franchise into the right direction. 
could it be, you know, what, what Josh Allen did to the Buffalo Bills? You know, I don't know. I, I still question the comments he made for SI. And then conversely, a week or two later, he made comments that countered that. Um, and what kind of talent does he really have around him outside of the three players I mentioned? That'll be the question um, I have to look at and say. Does he Are you forgetting Tim Tebow? I am purposely forgetting Tim <laughs> Tebow because I just don't think he's going to factor in that offense this year. Anything else? Are you good? I'm all set. All right, we are going to get out of here. That will bring a close to episode 129. We thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions or comments on this episode, past episodes, or anything sports-related at all, Ben and I'd love to hear from you. And where can they get in touch with us? Oh, well, you can hit us up on Twitter. That's at BCTSpod. Facebook, Ben and Chris Talk Sports. Or the website, BCTSpod.com. And we would ask you, ladies and gentlemen, if you have not done so and you feel so inclined, please leave a rating and a review if you enjoy the show. Uh, and tell a friend or two. Uh, word of mouth really helps Ben and I out. It's a great way to, um, well, spread the word. Till next time, for Ben, I am Chris. Please stay safe, stay healthy. We will see you right back here next Wednesday. Thank you.